0: Oh, if you got a Bible, let's go to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel uh, chapter 9. If you'd stand again, I want to uh, just stand as we read scripture today. If you don't have a Bible, uh, I encourage you to download a couple of apps that might help you. Bible Hub, U Version are great apps, use those all the time. You'll also find our daily devotion, it goes right along with our message. It's always on U Version. If you don't get that, sign up for the email updates or look on social media, you'll, you'll find it there. Our word for this year is inconvenient faith. And we just talked about this idea. Like it is, it is not convenient to follow Jesus. And, and here's the thing about following Jesus is the reason it's not convenient is because when you follow Jesus, he's going to ask you to do stuff. (laughs) That's the, you're like, well, dang it. He's going to rid you of yourself. That's that's what happens. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, just I want you to know what you might be signing up for, and that is a life of sacrificial giving and serving and loving and showing kindness to everyone around you and thinking less and less of yourself every single day. And it isn't easy. Amen? So it is not easy to follow Jesus, and that's why we have our eight core practices. But as we've been talking about this year, these eight practices... um, are really inconvenient practices. But these are what guide us and help us grow more and more like Jesus and become less and less of our uh, absorbed with ourselves. If you find yourself self-absorbed, <laughs> the answer is Jesus. If you find yourself being selfish, anybody here ever find yourself being selfish? Some of you don't have your hands up. That is amazing. You're like, not me. I got nailed down. Um, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> but these practices, they they help us to grow and, and continue to be passionate, passionately devoted to Jesus. And so we are on our practice of sharing Christ. And we're calling this uh, inconvenient sharing. It's not easy to share Jesus. And if you're new to our gathering, we... We just try to make it as easy as possible to share Jesus. And all you got to do is remember three things, intercede, invest, inform, intercede, invest, inform. Say that with me, intercede, invest, inform. That's it. Uh, Now, the reason sharing Jesus becomes so difficult is because we've flipped it on its head and we start with inform. That's the worst thing you can do. Don't worry. Can I just take the pressure off you? Don't don't go out today. Don't worry. Like oh my gosh, I've, I've got to propagate the gospel everywhere, and I got to share the, the the Roman road. I got to do all these crazy things. I got to know these certain scriptures. No 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 no. Flip it on its head. Start with prayer. I'm gonna pray for people that don't know Jesus, and then and then I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna go out and look for opportunities to do good, and then when the time is right, I'm going to share Christ with them. And um. This whole series is based around Galatians chapter five because we're looking really more at that invest part of what does it mean to invest in people's lives. And I think this is what he wants us to do. Uh, just let's say this together: the the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives—love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I wanna talk today about um, I think the unheralded fruit and that is kindness. Nobody ever really talks about kindness. Uh, Kindness is kind of like that utility player on on the team you know, that, that person nobody ever talks of, but does all the dirty work on the team, nobody knows their name, and, but if you're a fan of that team, you know, like, I love the 80s Showtime Lakers, Kareem, Magic, James Worthy, but the best basketball NBA player of all time who should be in the Hall of Fame is Kurt Rambus, because he's the guy who won them all those championships. He was scrappy, he was mean, he got in there, he did the dirty work, he took the fouls, he worked hard, that's kindness. Kind of is like, I'm doing all this work. Nobody's paying any attention to me. They just take me for granted. So here's the thing about kindness. See, when you see kindness, you're like, well, I mean, come on. It's like everybody knows, okay, be kind. But we're not talking about a playground kind of kindness here, okay? Remember when your mom on the playground would say, now nah, I want you to play nice? And you'd be like, yeah, but they're not playing nice. Be nice. That's not the, we're going to talk about a deep seated kindness of God's kindness today. And so, Let's go to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9. I read out of the New Living Translation. And this is the story of uh, David, King David. So David is king of Israel at this time. And it says in verse 1, One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive, anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. And he said, Hey, are you Ziba? He said, Yeah, I'm Ziba. And the king said, Hey, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I I want to show I want to show God's kindness to them. And Siva said, Yeah, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive, but he's uh, he's crippled in both feet. Well, where is he? Well, he's in Lodabar. He's at the home of Makir, son of Emil. So David sent for him. He brought him from Makir's home. His name was anybody? anybody? <laughs> Really, this is the name you're gonna give a kid? <laughs> Meshavah, uh, it's Mephe, Mephebosheth, I almost said it right. Mephibosheth, bless you. Mephibosheth. <laughs> uh, he was Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson. And when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephebosheth. And Mephebosheth said, I'm your servant. David said, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, I intend to show you kindness because of my promise to your father. I'm gonna give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you'll eat here with me at the king's table. Let's talk about sharing kindness. Father, in this moment, we ask that your spirit would just speak and you would give us um, insight. What does it mean for us to be people of kindness to those in our world? In Jesus' name, and everybody say Amen. amen. All right, you can be seated. Well, as most of you know, a couple of weeks ago, Laura and I were in uh, Guatemala, and uh, when we were there, I don't know if you've ever um, gone overseas, how many of you have been in another country besides, you know, the United States? How many of you? Oh, wow, wow, that's a lot, if not most of you, that's amazing. Okay, so you know, if you've been in another country, if you are there for any amount of time, the one thing you take for granted is American food. Right? You're like, like, oh, and you get to missing just the flavor of American food. And so we were in Guatemala, and we were deep in the mountains of Guatemala. So let me just tell you, there was no taco bueno. And we were at the end of the week, we were craving American food. And so we were there in Guatemala supporting Send Me, which is Laura's brother and sister-in-law's ministry, George and Tammy Roller. And we were there with Kelly Sondag, and we were, uh, by the way, we're going on a mission trip there next summer, so if you want information on that, sign up on a Next Step card. We'll tell you about that trip. It's going to be great. But we were there just uh, learning about the ministry, working in the ministry, discovering new things, and... He said, Brad, there is a pizza place here. And I'm like, yeah, what does it taste like? Really? He said, no, no, I'm serious, Brad. The, the, it's like American pizza. I'm like, we have to go. I have to taste something American. And so we um, took a taxi across town about three or four miles, went over to this pizza place, had had pizza. It was, was amazing. He was right. It tasted just like American pizza. And we just had a great time talking about the whole week that we'd spent together. We were having so much fun that we lost track of time. And we didn't realize how late it had gotten, and what you don't know and what I didn't know is that the place where they live, Hoyava, pretty much shuts down at like seven o'clock at night. Everything shuts down. And he realized it was now approaching 7:30. There would be no taxis to take us back to the house. Did I mention his house was three to four miles away? So we had to walk. So we, the group of us, we get out and we start walking. We're going to walk three or four miles back to the house. But I'm like, hey, whatever, we'll do. Did I mention that it was raining? (laughs) It was raining and we didn't get half a block. And my hair was just, you know, what hair I have, was just kind of drooping down on my face, down in my, you know when your shoulders start to get damp, you're like, this isn't so bad. And then it soaks through and then it starts getting down lower and then it gets into your jeans. Not these jeans, but literally into your jeans. We are like, oh, I'm soaking wet, I'm miserable. So we are walking, we get about a mile or so, and I'm just miserable. And have you ever been so miserable that you pray? And honestly, it's kind of a selfish prayer. You're like, God, please send someone to help me. And you know, it's kind of a selfish prayer because you can do the walk, but I didn't want to do the walk. And I said, God, send someone. And so we're still walking, and, and it's, the rain is not letting up, and my now my shoes are and about that time somebody pulls up in a car it's like god you are so good hallelujah they roll down their window and george goes over to the window he knows this lady and they have they start having a conversation i'm kind of standing off to the side i can't quite hear the whole thing but uh she's asking what's happening he's telling her the what was happening with us and she said oh my goodness this all that's terrible and she says well, it was good to see you. <laughs> Rolled up the window and drove away. We, we had children. We had. It is dark by this point. It is pouring. She drove away. I'm like, does she not give to your ministry or something, George? What happened? You, and it, so. So we just kept walking, in the rain, getting by. This point, I'm just so wet, I don't care. You ever get to that point where you just don't care anymore? It's like whatever. I'm just gonna get back and 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 try to make. I wasn't try. You know how you try to make it fun? Laura was trying to make it fun. and I'm like, this is not fun. Nothing you do is making this fun. <laughs> she always tries to make everything fun. I'm like, ah, having a great time. Splashy splash. Splashy splash. <laughs> And uh, then I, I looked over at um, Kelly Sondag, who is with us. Where is Kelly? She's, there she is right here. So uh, this is Kelly. Raise your hand, Kelly. Say, everybody say, This is Kelly if you don't know Kelly. And I, I look over at, at Kelly, and, and I, I suddenly realize she, she, can't, she can't do this walk. It was, what you may not know about Kelly is she's had multiple surgeries on her foot. And and, um, and she deals with excruciating pain. It's amazing that she even goes to Guatemala, and the roads are already hard enough. And and, and suddenly my prayer changed. And I, I I looked at Kelly and I and I just began to pray silently. God, you you got you got to send somebody. She cannot do this walk. She can't do this walk, God. I mean, I'll I'll walk in the rain, but she 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 can't. And and I realized where we were, and I realized it might not be the safest thing. You don't want just anybody to pull up. And I said, God, if you could, I just said, God, if you could send somebody from the conference, like one of the pastors, send one of the pastors. If you could send one of the pastors, that would be great. And and that way we knew it'd be safe, and and she could could get a ride. And and so we just kept walking, and we got to the point where uh, Kelly just needed to rest. And and so Kelly stopped at a place that was safe for her, and, and George stayed with her, and, and Laura and I went on with some of the kids and the others to, to walk, uh, continue walking with them. And, and we get about a quarter mile down the road, and all of a sudden this car is coming up behind us, and it's going beep, 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 beep. beep, beep. And, and they pull up and they roll down the window, and it's Dylan. Those of you who were here a few weeks ago, I talked about Dylan. It was Dylan from the conference. this If you weren't here a few weeks ago, th- Dylan is a 16-year-old boy who attended the conference every single day. He was a boy that I, that I had spoken over, and God sent Dylan, answered our prayer. Dylan picks up Kelly, picks up a couple other people, leaves, and I'm like, "Woohoo! Did Dylan come back for me? No. But that's okay. We we made it back. Every, every day we have an opportunity to help people who are struggling through life. Like they're wondering if they're gonna be able to, to make it. And and, and, they're, and they're breathing these 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 silent Prayers, you know, it's just like God. Are you, are you there? Are you there, God? And, and 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 God, I need you to do something. And here's the thing: you and I are the answer to that prayer. Like God is sending you and me as the answer to the prayers of the people who are crying out in this world. Turn to somebody in front of you and behind you and tell them God is getting ready to send you. God is getting ready to send you. I love it that the name of George and Tammy's ministry is send me. me. Send me. The words of Isaiah, send me. Somebody say send me send me that's the cry it should be the cry of all of our hearts send me like George and Tammy aren't the only missionaries and you don't have to go all the way to Guatemala to show kindness I've said it many times we are all missionaries on mission assigned to a mission field in other words we're, we're all missionaries we're all commissioned by God turn to somebody next to you and tell them you are commissioned by God you are commissioned by God I'm not the only preacher up in this joint. We are all ministers. We're all missionaries, and and we all have uh, the same mission to take the hope, healing, peace, and purpose of Jesus into our world. And we all have a mission field. There there are people in your workplace, on your campus, in your neighborhood, uh, strangers, cashiers, restaurant, waiters and waitresses that all are in desperate need of kindness. And God says, I choose you, and I'm going to send you. So I'd like for you to write this down. It's a simple statement, but this is where we're going to go for a few minutes. Someone needs the kindness of God today. How easy it is for me to forget that. You look around and everybody just has the appearance of being okay. And you know you're not okay, right? I mean, at times, don't you know like, well, if I'm not okay, man, how's everybody else doing And someone needs the kindness of God today. And it is easy to slow down and say, hey, if you ever need anything, you just let me know. And then move on and not do anything about it. But that's not who we are at Core Church. Like if you are new, you have walked into a group of people that say we are willing to be inconvenienced for Christ. Uh, All over this room, I'm mesmerized by so many different stories. Every one of you could come up here and you could tell a story of how you were inconvenienced and how you showed kindness for Christ. It's not just isolated to a few stories. That's what I love about this body of believers is we are willing to be inconvenienced. And so was David. That's what we see in this story. In this story, David shows us what, what kindness really looks like and what it really means Look back at at verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 9, and it says this. One day, David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Say this with me. Anyone to whom I can show kindness? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? So if you're new to the scriptures, you may not know this. Jonathan is Saul's son. So Saul was king of Israel. And Jonathan and David, before he was king, they were best friends. I mean, like super close, like like brothers. And we'll talk about this here in just a moment, but Saul did not like David, was threatened by David, wanted to kill David, and Jonathan actually protected David from his own father. And it's why David says here, I, it, can I show kindness for, for Jonathan's sake? It. Isn't it easy to show kindness to people who've been kind to you? Like, it ain't hard at all. Like, like last week I was talking about all the construction right now on 169. You don't want to be anywhere between 71st and 91st right now, right? Because, or really, anywhere in town, it feels like. Like, there's, I don't want to be anywhere. Because there's cones, and you see those cones, and you know you got to merge. And then as you come up, have you ever been the one that needs to merge? And you've not done anything wrong. It's not like you were the guy who zoomed up in front of everybody, you know, that nobody's gonna let in. But I'm talking about like you just just could I could I come in? Have you ever had somebody and you watch them and they start to slow down and they start to make a little bit of room, you're like, oh my gosh, I think I might be able to merge. I think merging is coming. And then they do that little wave where they go like that, and you go, it's happening! And you, you, I don't know what happens, but your shoulders go up. You get all happy. You get giddy. I do. Maybe I, Maybe it's the simple things in life that get me. But I was like, you, you, you pull in. You're like, you give them the way back. You're like, hey. Suddenly, they're now your best friend. You're like, in the rearview your mirror, you're like, you the man. I love you. You're on my Christmas card list now. Have you ever had somebody, though, not let you merge? Yeah. <laughs> I ain't got no patience for that. I talked about that last week. I won't talk about this, this week, but but I, I remember when I had a suburban that was clanky and janky, and this thing was I didn't care. It was two tons of fun, and I I didn't care who hit it, what happened to it. It was so old, and I remember I get into merge, and there'd be some guy you know in his Jaguar that ain't gonna let me merge. I'm like I'm picking on you, buddy. I'm coming in. I'm and and you ever had that person? They go uh, uh, like that, and what do you do? You go uh, uh, in, right? They're like uh, you're not getting in. Yes, I am. No, you are not? Yes, I am. And it just becomes this battle. Where Am I the only one that's like that? Okay. Like, wow, man, Brad needs his own sermon today. Maybe he needs to pray. I'm like, huh, I don't care about my car. I'm coming in. It's easy to show kindness to people who've been kind to you. But what, what about people who haven't been kind to you? I, I know for some of you, you're like, Brad, if you knew what they did, or if, if you if you just if you knew what they were doing, you would understand why I will not show them kindness. And I certainly do not want to belittle your pain, uh your brokenness, or your loss, or what has happened to you. I, I can only tell you that. I understand because I've had people who have deeply wounded me that I thought I could trust. And I'm just telling you with that, it is tough to show kindness. And if anybody understands, it's David. Some of you know the story of David. If you don't know, David and Saul's story. Saul was king of Israel. David was a young boy, and he's been anointed king. Saul finds out about it. He wants to kill David because he's threatened by David. He's jealous of David. David doesn't want to take Saul's throne, but Saul is paranoid, and so he wants to kill David. And so Jonathan helps uh, uh, David to escape, and David flees to the wilderness, and he's living in caves. He's starving. At one point, he has to go live with the enemy because Saul continues to hunt him down, figures out where David is at, sends a battalion after him. David has to flee to another part of the wilderness. This goes on for 15 years. If anybody had a reason to not show kindness, it's David. But he says this in verse 3, I want to show what? God's kindness to them. Now, Scripture does not tell us how David was feeling, but I can't help but think that David knew that maybe he didn't have it in him to be kind. And and he knew that he needed God's help. He needed God's kindness. I mean, (laughs) left to ourselves... If we are left to ourselves, we're going to choose bitterness over kindness every single time, right? Because the enemy, he comes to us and he, and he comes and he offers you this, this seed of bitterness. It's not fully developed. He doesn't show you what it really looks like. He just comes with, with, a, with a seed. And he says, you know what they did. You know what they you, des- you, you know what you does You just blow them off. You know what? Put a subliminal post out there. They'll know it's about them, and your friends will know what it. it's about them, and they'll empathize with you. You know what? Just ignore them. You know you deserve to spite them, because and he gives you this this he offers you this seed. And by the way, he won't ever stop offering you that seed. There's no cure for that, by the way. There's no cure for him coming and offering you a seed because he's he's gonna do it no matter how long you follow Jesus. He comes and he offers you the seed. The decision is, are you gonna take the seed? And it looks harmless and you take that seed, but what happens is if you take that seed and and you plant it, it begins to grow and it it begins to to fester and and pretty soon it, it, it poisons your soul. Write this down if you're taking notes. Bitterness is a kindness killer. Bitterness is a kindness killer. When you, when you get bitter, it is, it is virtually impossible to be kind, isn't it? Like, you just, you just can get so upside down, you're like, ah. I, I think that bitterness is a lot like beach sand. Like, right now, a lot of people are going to the beach And by the way, when you go to the beach, you don't have to tell us that you're going to Florida. We don't need to know that you're going to Florida. And certainly, we don't need you to post your pictures while you're in Florida, having a good time on the beach, sunset on the beach. Okay, whatever. Uh, When you come back, we don't need you to tell us about your your little fun time you had with your little family, and we don't we don't see the pictures. We don't see we don't see it because we live in Oklahoma. We don't get to get to the beach. But what's crazy is when you go to the beach, you ever notice you bring the beach home with you? No matter how hard you try, beach sand gets into everything. Like you 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 like you wash off and you think you're good to go, you slide into bed, you pull the sheets up, and then it's like you're exfoliating in the sheets. You know, and then you, you think you took a good shower, but you didn't get it out of every crevice, so you can tell somebody went to the beach because they walk like this, coming in on a Monday. How you doing? How you doing? Been to the beach? No, no. Why, is it, why does it look like I've been to the beach? You know, because I can't walk right. <laughs> and then it gets in your trunk. It gets in your suitcase, and then you bring it all the way back to Oklahoma. You find it on your kitchen floor, don't you? You find it in your kids' rooms. You, find, you bring it all back with you. you there's, it's almost virtually impossible to get rid of. It's such an irritant. That's bitterness, You can't isolate it. You can't contain it. It it gets into everything. You think it won't, but it goes everywhere. So if we want to produce God's kindness, we can't do that on our own. We desperately need the help of the Holy Spirit. You, You can produce kindness on your own. That's just something that's fleeting for a moment, but, it, but if you want that deep-seated kindness, it, it only happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's Galatians 5:22. It's, it's a fruit of the... yeah, it's a fruit of the spirit. Like it's the spirit that helps us to overcome bitterness. So the enemy comes to us with a, with a seed of bitterness, but the Holy Spirit also comes to us with, with a seed of kindness. And here's the thing you need to understand, the seed of bitterness is not fully developed because the enemy doesn't want you to see it and see what's really gonna germinate and happen in your in your life. But the Holy Spirit, you want him to come with this fully formed fruit, right? Just give me the kindness, just take away all my selfishness, just give it to me, and I'm good. But he doesn't do it that way. He comes to you with opportunities to be kind. He says, I want to grow it in you. So the Holy Spirit also comes to you with a seed, and we have a decision to make. A- am I gonna am I gonna take the seed of bitterness or am I gonna. Am I gonna take the seed of of kindness? Go to work on Tuesday. You got that coworker. And man, they are stabbing you in the back, they are undermining you, they are talking behind your back, and in that moment, the enemy comes and says, Take the seed. You you know what? Talk, you need to talk, you gotta defend your reputation. But the Holy Spirit comes in that moment with a, with a seed of, of kindness and says, ah, it's going to be hard, but choose, choose kindness. you you got that, that neighbor and your kids are out playing in the front and they, they kick a ball into the neighbor's yard. Not that I've ever had this happen before, but they kick it in the neighbor's yard and you got that neighbor that just has the perfect lawn and just doesn't want anybody trampling, especially children on there because that little ball is going to kill the little braids of grass and they're like, get your kids off my lawn. You know, they come over and knock on your door. Hey, your kids are on my lawn. I'm keeping their ball. They kicked it over my fence. It's mine now. Not that I've ever had that happen before. And in that moment, the enemy comes and goes, let him have it. Just, this jerk deserves it. The Holy Spirit comes with a seed of kindness and that seed of kindness is wrapped up sometimes in you, you don't really know what's happening in that person's life that's made them that way. You don't know why they're, you don't know if something's happening at work, maybe it's something in their home. You don't know if it, it happened when they were, when they were seven. But the Holy Spirit comes and says, plant that seed, that person who has wounded you or hurt you and they show up or, that memory is there, and the enemy says, take the seed. But the Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. Take the seed of kindness. So how about the, how about the person that doesn't uh, think like you? There are people who don't think like you, or maybe they don't, they don't believe like you. They don't hold to the tenets of the Christian faith. They have a different viewpoint on what religion is and who Jesus is and what all that means. And you have a choice. Am I going to choose bitterness or am I going to choose kindness? It's, it's somebody, how about somebody who don't vote like you? You know what's funny? Is that everybody, I, I, not everyone, but there are people in this church that I will talk to that have no idea that people vote Democratic in this church. And then I have people in this church that have no idea that people vote Republican. Like we just had a primary a few weeks ago and, and you're like, oh, well, as soon as you find out they don't vote, they didn't vote for who I think they, should. you voted for who? Spewing it out on social media. The enemy loves to do that to Christians. Oh, here, take that seed of bitterness. Divisive, no unity, everything that Jesus said, no, 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 I pray that you are, anybody know that scripture, you are, one. I pray that they are one. He wants us to be united. He comes with that seed of kindness. It's somebody who doesn't have the same view on sexuality as you. like a certain colors or certain pronouns or certain ways and and you're just so fed up with that. God, if I hear any more of that, what is this, what is this world coming to? And, and, and you have in that moment, you've got to make a decision. Am I, oh, I going to buy into the way the enemy wants me to react? Or am, I gonna, or am I going to express love in one of his deepest forms and just showing them kindness? Bitterness right now, I think, has really taken root in our world. And and I think recent events have been the great revealer of this. Roe versus Wade. Now, I know when I say that right now, what's he getting ready to say? Because this is going to determine whether I'm going to be on Brad's side or the other side. What's he going to say? This will determine if I'm going to keep coming here or if I'm going to go on down the street. What's he going to say? I don't want to talk about the decision. I want to talk about the reaction. The, the reaction uh, 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 of people who call themselves followers of, uh, uh, of Jesus and and I, I saw this picture this, this week online and it just burned into my mind and I haven't been able to shake it for over a week. And here's, here's the question I have. Who's the Christian in this picture? Who's the Christian? Now, I know when I say this, for some of you, you go, yeah, 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 but, but what about Jesus and when he tossed those temple tables? I, I know that that's what you're thinking. I mean, he threw them temple tables. He did. He tossed the temple tables. He didn't toss the tavern tables. Here's, here's what I mean. When Jesus did that, he was doing that in the walls of the church. Because the religious people had desecrated the temple of God and they were abusing and and taking advantage of the people and, and misusing the name of God, desecrating the honor of God in the house of God and Jesus was tossing temple tables of the religious people. So what about though Jesus outside the walls? What's interesting about Jesus outside the walls is There was another group of people outside the walls of the temple that were taking advantage of people the same way. Like they were jacking up the taxes and they were called the tax collectors. And they they would take the money. They were Jewish men and they would be the tax collector and they were collecting taxes to give to Rome. And they were taking a little bit off the top for themselves. And Jesus walks up to one of these tax collectors' booth. Does he toss his tables? No, he goes to this person who's outside the temple and he calls him to be his follower. He goes to him and he says, hey, I want you to come be one of my chosen 12. That person was Matthew. And, and, and Matthew wrote an entire account. One of, the, one of the gospels that we look at is Matthew. And, and then Matthew has this dinner party. Does Jesus show up at the dinner party? And by the way, let me back this up a little bit. Here. He has a dinner party and he invites all of his friends. But what you have to understand is uh, Matthew's friends are not, not, not the best people in town. In fact, Scripture actually says that they were known notorious sinners. And so he invites all these people to the table. Does Jesus walk into the table and toss that table? No. He sits down at the table. Now this is crazy. This is really crazy because Jesus was willing to risk being misunderstood. What's fascinating is Jesus was a known rabbi, a known teacher. At this point, no one knows that he's the son of God. No one is understanding that he's the Messiah. Death and resurrection coming much later, but they know him mainly as a good rabbi Jewish teacher, which means he was a teacher of the law. So... These people all come and they sit around the table with Jesus. They're looking at Jesus and they're like, I don't get it, Matthew. I don't get it. Why did he ask us and why is he sitting with us? Because he knows the law. He knows how how we're living. (laughs) Why is he not getting angry with us and pointing a finger? Why is he sitting at the table? They knew where Jesus stood. But where Jesus stood was on the side of kindness and love. And it was the religious leaders who were saying, toss those tables, my friend, because those are the tables you should not be sitting at. There's another time in Scripture where a woman is, is caught in adultery. And, and they, the, 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 the church, I, I, if we don't, we gotta, We got to really pay attention to Scripture It's the church, the religious leaders, it's us. They grab this woman, caught in adultery. They throw her at Jesus' feet and they say, hey, we caught this woman having adultery. We caught her in the act of adultery. Hey, this woman had an abortion. This woman has a rainbow flag hanging outside of her house. The law says stoner. Stoner. Well, you say, Jesus. And I I love Jesus' reaction because this woman is like, he's a a rabbi, he's a teacher, he knows the law, this could be it for me. And he he gets down on the ground. Jesus gets down on the ground, and there's a lot of debate as to why he got on the ground. But I think one of the reasons he got on the ground is because he wanted to get on eye level with her because that's who Jesus is. because some of you struggle with that lifestyle and some of you have had an abortion and sadly people have burned into your brain that you're a baby killer. And you live with a lot of pain and confusion and you sit in these seats every week and no one knows that. What I want you to know is Jesus, he gets down on your level. And I love this, he's looking at her eye to eye and he looks up at the religious leaders who who are looking down on the woman, okay? Where are you at in this picture? Man, sometimes I'm so angry with myself because I've been the one standing. <laughs> guilty, guilty. I've been the one standing and chastising instead of saying, oh, I'm, I'm gonna... I'm going to risk being misunderstood. And I wonder if we're willing to risk being misunderstood to reach people who feel unreachable. Are people going to misunderstand you? Of course they are, because right now some of you are misunderstanding me. You already made decisions about me, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Because I'm going to err on the side of loving people, and I'm I'm going to do my best to live in this gray zone, in this area where it's so difficult to... To know at times what is the right decision to make, but I think if we're going to err anywhere, we got to err on the side of kindness. We were, in, uh, we were in Guatemala, and when we were there, and we went to that, that pizza place, uh, what I didn't tell you is that we had to take this thing called a tuk-tuk, which is, um, this is what a tuk-tuk is. This is a tuk-tuk. <laughs> you're laughing because you're like, how in the world did he get in that thing? <laughs> I asked myself the same thing. If you've never seen a tuk-tuk, it's, it's like the Fisher-Price car. Do you remember the little plastic car that you got your kids? A little plastic door. It's going to get in it and it's going to cram in it. All right, here we go. That's the only thing they got in this town. That's the transportation. And we were going to take a tuk-tuk and and uh, they come fast, and you better get on and get going. They come, and then they're gone. They come, and then they're gone. And so they one came, and my brother-in-law goes, let's go, Brad. And I remember walking across the street, and the guy, the, the tuk-tuk driver, he looked at me like, are you serious? I don't think you're going to tip it over. You're going to break it down. I, anyway, we walk over there, and and there's a woman that's already sitting in, in the tuk-tuk. And I'm like, we... There's no room for us, George. We can't, you can barely get two of us in there and there's a a third woman in there. And I'm like, this this isn't gonna happen. We can't do this. Brad, we have to take this tuk-tuk. And I look in and I realize the, the woman, shall I say, is dressed for the evening because she is a lady of the evening. And it's very, very clear who she is and where she's getting ready to go and all i'm thinking in that moment is okay so the missionary and the preacher are going to get into the tuk-tuk with the the prostitute we're going to get in the tuk-tuk somebody's going to tuk-tuk a picture of this (laughs) and put it on tiktok and i don't don't know about this i don't know i don't know so we get in and and we get to drive in and i'm like oh man this is crazy because it's just crazy (laughs) And so we're driving, and this woman does not speak English. Uh, but I, as we were driving, I, I suddenly uh, caught a glimpse of her eyes, and th- they were just hollow. And and I just started thinking, man, what happened? What happened? Did you feel like you got to do this, and I had no way to communicate with her, and 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 my. Brother-in-law, he doesn't speak very good Spanish, so we couldn't communicate with her. And but then I, I started thinking, what, what, go back to that moment. What if what if we had said, what if we'd walked up to it and seen her in there and went, oh, whoa, no 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 no, we can't, we can't do that because he's a missionary and I'm a pastor. And we're going to have to pass on that. In fact, we're not going to ride with somebody like you. And, and 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 what if she had gone on? Here's the thing you you don't know is that my my brother-in-law is the only white man in this entire town, the only white man, and everyone knows he is the missionary, which would have meant that woman would have gone on and she would have felt the shame and she would have felt the ridicule if we had not in that moment shown kindness. Plant kindness. Plant kindness. Turn to somebody and tell them, plant kindness. We gotta plant kindness. Kindness. Someone needs the kindness of God today. That's so what David did. He showed kindness over bitterness and, he, and then he sent for Mephibosheth. Look at verse 7, he said, I'll give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul and you'll eat here at the king's table. Like imagine that moment for him where he's like, you got to be kidding me. He's been living in seclusion. He's been forgotten. Nobody cares. Nobody's coming for him. And the king sends for him. And Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? All around us are people who have been wounded by this world, who have been hurt, who have been discarded, who have been forgotten, and they're wondering, does anybody care? They're confused. They have pain. And kindness has the power to restore and redeem. Bitterness and hate and anger have never redeemed anyone. Anyone kindness is the great redeemer. Ephesians 4.32, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Ephesians, and he said this, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ who has forgiven you. Oh, yeah. It was kindness that saved you, and it's It was kindness that saved me. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't toss your table? (laughs) Aren't you glad that he sat down at the table? He shouldn't have sat down at that table, but he did. And you knew it. I don't know. Some of you right now, you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, I don't know, Brad, I don't know, man. I don't know, it's hard enough coming into church. I mean, with all the baggage I got, all the things that I have, I I just, I mean, Jesus, I don't know, he has full permission to toss. He does, he has full permission. But he doesn't choose to do that. He comes and he wants to sit at your table and he's, he's asking us to do the same. Somebody needs the kindness of God today. Would you stand?